Revisit, the official podcast of the UCC Visitor Centre. You're very welcome to episode five of Revisit, the official UCC podcast. I'm joined today by my guest, a wonderful woman and a great colleague, Miss Cathy Bradley, who's the head of the Skills Centre based in the Boo Library in UCC. Hi, Cathy. How are you? Hi, JP. Thanks a million for inviting me in. Very welcome. This podcast is being recorded over Teams, and I can see in your background you actually have the a background of the Skills Centre, one of your teaching spaces, as your background, I suppose, maybe to give you more of a sense of normality and make you feel like you're physically in the place. Are you missing it? Very much so. Very much so. And the background really is there, not just for, for me or for the tutors, but it's also there for the students. Yeah. So when we meet them online, that they have a sense of normality, that they're back in the Bull Library or they're back in that that they're meeting an official part of UCC, that they're not necessarily coming into our homes, but that we're on skill centre time and that we're we're running writing clinics or, or that we're presenting some of our webinars. So um, I think it, it makes me go to work and not feel like I'm in the spare room. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm at work and I'm there. And when we're meeting our students, I think that's really the most important bit, that that link is still there to the university. It's such a colourful place, the skill centre. I mean, there's such an oasis of colour there. I mean, the backgrounds, the chairs, the furniture, they're all different colours. It really, it's it's like walking into a, a, a Lego block of learning almost. <laughs> and JP, yeah, that's really, really insightful. And I suppose we created it like that, that we're, so you know, we're really, we're in Q minus one of the Bull Library. So, um, we're under the ground, we're in the basement, so that we've no natural light. So we, we consciously made it very colourful, a warm, bright space. Um, and we also wanted to bring that fun of learning to it as well. It's a, it's a place where you can explore your writing, you can explore your processes. And uh, I think really to unpack the process of writing and how you write, not just what you write, is really exciting. And it's, it gives a, a sense of freedom within there, that it is this colourful space. I, and it does that, but I, I have to interject and say that it, it's also the people that make the place a warm and colourful place. And yourself and your team do that very, very well. And it's very much respected by your colleagues and by students in, in the university as well. Now, before we delve into the Skills Centre, I, I just want to talk to you about your own history with UCC. So can you tell me a little bit about your own history with UCC? Sure. Um, I started... Uh, as a lot of staff members do as as a student in the university. Um, I returned to education uh, as a mature student. So when I came to be a student of the university, I also had other responsibilities. So I had six sons, a busy house, and I also worked uh, part time as well to, to help fund my education. And I, I joined the Faculty of Law. And I was really excited to get the phone call that I was deemed appropriate to read law. And I thought that really? that sentence sat with me for quite a long time. I was very excited, I had a fantastic journey through law. And I, I can't, um, I, I suppose I can't put into words how, how wonderful that faculty is. They're, they're a really dynamic faculty that look after their students, mind their students and, and really present you with opportunities that if you're brave enough, you can take. Um, and they, there was certainly lots of opportunities there for me. From, from being a law student and being a mature student, I came into contact with the Mature Student Office. And after about 12 months within the university, I started working with them part time. And I worked with them part time for a good few years through the rest of my degree. Um, I was lucky enough to receive a scholarship for uh, a master's and went um, 
I needed a, a more full-time, part-time job, and I joined the visitors' centre at that stage. What was that and, like? <laughs> well, now there's there's joy in the visitors' centre. Um, mm. There's something very, very special uh, being able to bring in a group of, in particular, I loved the primary schools. I think we all just loved the primary schools. Yeah. But being able to bring in a group of young people to the university and to showcase a place you love that, yeah. and for the wonder you, that you have in your own voice that you can see it reflected in their eyes and have everybody who finishes the tour wanting to come to university. It just, it, you know, it was joyful going to work every day. You skip around the quad, you've loads of, of young people around you all the time. And um, it was just, it was really, really lovely. I, I loved working there. It, it, it cemented my love for the university mm. very much so. And of course I learned all the history. I'm very popular when it comes to table quizzes now when there's a, a round on <laughs> the history <laughs> of the city. Um, <laughs> I think it's a kind of a prerequisite if you work in the visitor centre, you have to love UCC. You're in the wrong place working if you don't. Absolutely. I think, JP, you made a, um, a comment there on my tutor team and the team that are below in the, the skill centre. And you have the same in the visitor centre. And so that would be something that you look for is is that, you know, that warm ethos that you're, you're you're really trying to spread throughout the university and, and and that everybody who is met is met on an equal footing coming in the door. I think that's really important. I, I believe that for the university in general, though, that everybody has the same worth as everybody else, from president down to student to visitors. Everybody has the same contributions to make and everybody has a, a part to play. And each part is as valid as every other, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think we all have the same thing to do, but I do think that all of our parts are valid. No, we don't have the same thing to do, obviously, but not not one part can work without the other. Though. Absolutely. We're all cogs in the same machine. Mm. And, and the smallest cog is as important as the biggest one, um, because it takes all those cogs to move together. So then from the visitor centre, you went. So from the visitor centre, I had the opportunity to join the academy. And, and I did as a research or as a project support officer uh, for the George Boole 200 project. Um, and that was uh, very enlightening. It was a fantastic opportunity to really engage across loads of different departments within oh. the university. And I had the honor of bringing uh, the outreach project, uh, the Boole to School. So we brought Boole to School in our original targets there were 50 schools and it ended up in a hundred or a hundred thousand children took the Boole to school lessons through 50 countries on George Boole Day. It was just fantastic. We built Minecraft worlds of the quad where you could drill down into it and, and release coins and it was just fantastic. There was there was great things going on but that whole project was so big and so visionary. Um, some man George Boole wasn't he? Some man, some man. He's a uh, and even to have his bust on campus now, I say hello to him every day as I pass him. Just give him an old wink. You know he's there. Um, but I, I, you know, it, the project brought some fantastic people into my life um, and different uh, relationships through marketing and communications, through um, the international office. Lots, lots of new relationships, and and it was just a fantastic opportunity to to really get to know the college and a different side of the college as well. And then obviously you moved. So then after that project, I actually went back to the mature student office for uh, 12 months. And then the opportunity came for uh, the skill centre. The skill centre um, came about because there was, uh, it, as a project, 
So there was a, a proposal from the students to have somewhere for them to go. I'm going to say this very tongue in cheek, but if you're if you're lucky enough to to come to the university under an access area that if you've come in with a disability, if the disability support office, if you come as a mature student, you have the mature student office. Mm. If you come into UCC plus, you've got UCC plus support there. Um, whereas if you come in as a run of the mill student, there's often nowhere to go. Um, except your own department. And sometimes I know certainly if I if I was having difficulty with writing or anything, I might necessarily, even though the law department were fantastic and very welcoming and opening, yeah. um, I wouldn't have necessarily told them that I was having a problem with a paragraph. No, I get that. I, I would have had that experience myself when I was a student because I didn't understand referencing. And it's not as if you could walk up to your lecturer and ask them how to reference properly. And, and with, with all respect, sometimes like a lot of our staff are so expert they're absolutely brilliant um mm. in their own fields and it's difficult to understand that you don't know do you know sometimes when you learn something and you know it it's yeah. difficult to remember when you don't know it so it's crossing that bridge and that's a lot of the time what the skill center does but it's it's more than that it's not just um filling a deficit it's also ensuring that everybody um can reach their full potential. We'd have a lot of our students that would come into us getting what can be some of the toughest scores, the 67s, 68s, 69, and you're not breaking the first. Yeah. Um, and so the, working with the tutors and the PhD team, they can really examine their writing, their process of writing, looking at how they engage with the writing process and just tweak it um, so that then the scores can, can or their, their marks can come in. So am I right in thinking that the kind of energy and need for the skills centre, it's kind of like the green campus, it was driven very much by the student body themselves and the students were the ones that really kind of highlighted that this is where we need an area to act upon. Absolutely, it came from the student success or from the, the student survey and from the, the students union and the access office it really drove it at the time. And we're very lucky, I think, in UCC that our university listens to its students um, and they have a voice at the table and it's not they're really hard. So yeah. there was then the project was was operationalized and it was recruited for. And I I still count myself as exceptionally blessed to have been offered that uh, opportunity. I am I I, count I think myself the students should consider themselves exceptionally blessed as well to have somebody like you leading it. You know, you've given us kind of a brief insight into some of the things you do, but could you maybe expand upon that and tell us about the skills centre or what the service the unit provides and the development of such. Sure. So I suppose, JP, we when we started four years ago, because this is our fourth year of operation, we came out and kind of whispered that we were open and then we got a bit louder the next year and a bit louder the following year. Because and the reason for that was that if everybody had turned up on the first day, they'd have had a bad experience and they may not have come back. So the student experience and the actual engagement as they come through is very important for us from the very first touch point um, with us. We started looking at I suppose the overall umbrella would be student communication. So we looked at the writing processes and we broke them backwards into seven steps from coming back to like unpacking your question, researching, planning, writing, editing, proofreading, um, looking at all the different steps. But more than that, then we broke down certain sections. They say the main body was broken down into your paragraphs. What is a paragraph? Breaking it backwards again into what is a sentence and looking at your sentence construction. And not everybody will need everything. However, there's a lovely menu there that students can opt to take uh, sessions in or yeah. 
they can take one-to-one -one appointments. And our one-to-one -one appointments are really popular. And it's where you bring your work and sit with a skill centre tutor for 30 minutes and they go through your work with you. And what they look at is the structure and clarity of your writing. And they'll provide feedback um, straight away for you um, in that session. And it's actually great now that we're gone online because the, the student shares the screen with the tutor and the, they, the student can, can make the... Uh, they can look at the structure and clarity. The, the, the teacher or the, the tutor will point it out to them where they can uh, make it much clearer what they're yeah. they're trying to say, or they'll ask them questions um, that, that would clarify the ideas in the student's head. Can it be difficult giving a student constructive criticism? That's a really good question. So I suppose it's not necessarily constructive criticism. It's feedback on their writing. It's That's very much pointed out at the beginning of every session okay. that this is it's removed from the person, it's depersonalized. Um, we have a great session on how to give and receive feedback and all our tutors go through some really good training at the start of the year. They're inducted on how to run a session, how to engage with students, how to, uh, I suppose, how how to deliver a message that maybe the student doesn't want to hear. Um, yeah. Because quite often, and you know, rightly so, I know uh, when I was writing myself, it's, um, it can be tough to get those words on the page and so you can become nearly emotionally attached to the words and you need to get the student to detach a little bit and become a little bit more objective as they're looking sure, at the writing sure. and that in itself is a lesson and it's great when when students get to to that stage that they're able to to sit back and look at their writing um, and they start analyzing it then themselves as well so can you tell us how has the pandemic affected your work and the operations changed as a result i mean well, we, we've heard a lot that the whole university moved online in about 72 hours. It obviously, it was very challenging to move the school centre online. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it's affected how you do your work? Sure, Jippy. We, we were really lucky in that uh, the previous summer we had had students that we discovered were travelling from Wexford for a half hour appointment during the summer break. And we were saying that's crazy. So we had actually set up a Google Classroom and we had been using Google Meet, Google Classroom, over the, the previous summer. And that had really prepared us for an online move. So we closed at five o'clock on the 12th of March and on Friday 13th, we were open and ready to take appointments. Our first That's bookings came astonishing. through. So it was, astonishing. Well um, but we were very lucky that our infrastructure allowed it. But, and do you know, again, the email account within the university is based on Google. So we had already had our Google calendars up and running we had a google account for the skills center so so we were possibly we were just in a very fortunate position that we were able to to do that straight away how it's affected our operation is in some ways it has made it easier it solved our space problem there's times that we have six one-to-ones going on at the one time that couldn't have happened within yeah. our, our space remit i think um, that's important to reflect on as well that there will be positives that will come out of this pandemic and that we will find new ways of doing things and will solve problems for us and we'll be able to coexist and do things in different ways that we wouldn't have done them before. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it, definitely the skills centre will never be, go back a hundred percent to what it was before. Mm. The, the learning from from this digital pivot will, will stay with us and will be brought forward into our future. Um, we've had a couple of You're going to get in the war there now because you're the first person in the history of this podcast to use the pivot word. Ah, there you go. There you go. I think I'm going to park it, though, in 2021 and never take it into 2022. There'll be no more so, pivoting yeah. <laughs> anywhere. Challenges that we would have had would have included, say, for example, our, our flagship uh, digital badge program, Speak. Uh, it's for successful presentations, effectively articulating knowledge. And to 
we had always delivered that face to face. So to bring our digital badges online was a challenge. Um, ironically. Ironically, yeah. yeah. But like, I suppose some some of the people who take speak are very nervous about standing up and presenting in front of a, a room. And so we didn't have that opportunity to practice those skills now. However, we've morphed some of the content into presenting digitally. So knowing your team's platform, how to sit, how to make sure you've got the, the right amount of space above your head, that you're not, someone's not looking up your nose or that you're not um, at an awkward angle, that your background is correct, how to record online. So all of those have now been incorporated into our speak program. So the students are, are getting skills that are appropriate to the era that they're in. And I'm sure that will change again uh, once mm. we're back on campus. I mean, uh, but those skills can't be lost. So we might have to add another week to the to the, the speak program in the future. Um, we've also worked very well with uh, Dr. Etna Hunt and the Everyday Matters program is now. Fabulous, fabulous colleague. She's absolutely person. fabulous. So and, uplifting and student centred and staff centred. Just just a wonderful person. She really is. And I, I don't know if you've had the, the chance to look at or to listen to her Everyday Matters um, yeah, videos, uh, yeah. the, the podcast one. So we made them with her um, in response to the pandemic. And uh, that was, you know, it was the learnings from the Everyday Matters that we digitized with Etna's voice over it. And uh, I have to give a, a shout out to, to Yasmin Rodwin. She's a final year digital humanities student who works with us very part time, but she's uh, she came to me on her placement last year and she's just absolutely fantastic. And she's responsible for the the digitization of uh, the Powtoons there for, for Everyday Matters. And she's she just did a wonderful job. And it's great to have students really co-creating and having um, it really does respect the students as partners, uh, having her there and having her her voice involved there, too. That's great. But I'd say you are very much looking forward to getting back onto campus physically, though, are you? Uh, do you know, JP, right now, I, I think, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back. But right now, I can't imagine the service being delivered that was being delivered before. So it has to be reimagined. Yeah. So we need to I need to work out the spaces that are there and make the best use out of them. Mm. Um, like our one to one room, I don't think is two metres of Wide, not to mind having two people two meters apart. So well, that... the visitor center can have two people in it at the moment. So you're we're, we're, the challenging kind of space issue is a challenge and will be a major challenge for everybody. I think you know. So yeah, we, we you know we'll go back and I'll just follow the university guidelines. But for now, we're working exceptionally well mm. online. And like we had two and a half thousand live virtual Perfect. engagements, two thousand seven hundred, I think, uh, in the first semester. Wow. Um. And our website is, is is exceptionally active. We also, in response to the, the pandemic, we came together with colleagues across the university um, to create the Student Success Zone. Um, and it's the only course on Canvas that all 23,000 students are actually enrolled in, but they all have access to it. And yeah. so that space in there, um, and I'm reliably informed by Tim O'Donovan, there's about 10,500 active users running through there every week. So that's um, fantastic. And if Tim says that's the case, then it, that is absolutely that is the case. case. And, and again, like a fantastic colleague who really helped set that up, got it going, got it. Um, well, I'm a bit biased. I'm a bit biased, but Tim is one of the unsung heroes of UCC as well, a very quiet underspoken person who just does his job um also happens to be my closest and dearest friend but that's completely beside the point he's one of these people and there's plenty of them in the background that 
just do their job without plaudits and do it excellently. Another cog in the wheel. Yeah, another cog in the wheel. So moving away from the skill centre, I just want to ask you one or two things. Um, I know you're a keen fan of history as well, and that, that would have played in into some of the roles that you would have had previously in the university. But you've you've authored a book as well. You've co-authored a book as well, haven't you, with Alana Hopkins in the last number of years? And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Certainly. So so my my book um, gives it all away in the title, JP. It's called The Ship of Seven Murders. You'll never guess what happened. I'd say there's seven murders on the <laughs> ship, is it? That would be a really good guess, yeah. So the, it, this is actually, it's a, a true story from Cork from 1828. And it's the result of a project I did when I returned to education out in Gloucester-Sephoneva at, at level five. Um, mm. And it stems actually from the, the National Folklore Project. Um, so in 1937, all the, the school's folklore was collected and the, the folklore was, was sent to Dublin and it was it was left in Dublin Castle um, and dusty reams or whatever for a long time. But now it's been digitised. And so one of one of my projects was to open the school's folklore collection, find a local school and find a story and to to see where they bring it up to present day or whatever. So I had actually completed my project on a fabulous family called the, the Lesters in Passage. I had chosen Passage because my kids went to school there. And um, but this story kept niggling at me and really, really annoyed me because I, I had read it and it was uh, about somebody who had murdered seven people and that I had found two different accounts and the accounts didn't match. Anyway, to cut a very long story short, I went off grave hunting found the grave of one of the sailors who was married and that was my first piece of primary evidence because on the, on the gravestone it said that this gentleman Timothy O'Connell had been murdered by Captain Stewart on board the Mary Russell on the 22nd of June so I had a murderer I had a victim I had uh, a the date and I had a vessel <laughs> so I had everything so I, I went off and researched it anyway and I brought the story up to date through through three months or four months of very 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 intense uh, research. I lived in the 1800s. I remember going into the, the library up to the, the fourth floor, the third floor in, on, in the city and reading the newspapers from nine o'clock in the morning, say, till six o'clock in the evening. And it was the newspapers of 1828. And I came out into the same streets and I had to kind of blink a couple of times to bring mm. myself back to where I was because yeah. I had been reading of heads floating down the river and there had been a murder on Tucky Street and Daniel O'Connell was up in the Clare elections and there was there was mad things going on around the place and I was like oh hang on Whereas come back you to kind of open your eyes and there's hillbillies and a few kind of pigeons walking around backwards yeah. floating in 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 the the fountain so it was yeah it was, but it was a magical time it was a great time for research and everything and and eventually I, I handed in the project and my poor tutor um our lecturer Shane Lehan uh great guy great guy but he went sweet divine god because there was three folders of it with all the, the, the research and everything else and um he rang me within two days and he said kathy i think we we need to have a conversation this needs to go to the collins press um i've never heard of the story and i I've, i know a lot about the history of cork and, and everything else so we went to the collins press and i heard nothing and then about Eight weeks later, I actually rang uh, Con Collins and said, do you know um, about that story? And he was like, oh, I was actually going on my holidays. I totally forgot about it. Give me a couple of weeks and I'll give you a ring back. So he rang me the next morning and said, yeah, this needs to go further. So wow. um, I had no journalistic experience. So they he put me in contact with Lana Hopkins. Mm. Um, a very uh, respected author. Um, and, we, and a very nice person. I know her personally. Uh, 
absolutely fantastic yeah and so we met for a cup of tea and toasted sandwich on a sale and within five minutes we knew we had each other we understood each other um yeah. we understood the treatment that captain Stewart would need within the book and and everything else and so we worked from there so we launched it in 2010 it's uh it was sold out so Collins press has moved um, yeah, okay. It's been bought now by Gil Macmillan, so the rights are winging their way back to myself and Alana. So Fantastic. hence the delay on the reprint. And so once the the rights are back with us, uh, it, it will be reprinted. There could be a movie there yet. Yeah, we're, we're it's actually closer than you think. I'd say JP. Uh, there's a docudrama talks sort of on at the moment, and and so we'll keep you updated on that, but it could be on the screens within the next 12 months. That's fantastic to know. It's great to see that you, you know, have interests outside of work as well. I think that's really important, and that creative interest that you're involved in very much plays into how you do your work as well too, I think. Absolutely. Do you know, it's, it's always fantastic to be um, given the opportunity to be creative and to, to think outside the dots and to bring new things into and I think that's why I was really excited when I got the job for the skill centre and to be able to create something new in an established university yeah. is just it's a gift. It's one of the great things about where we work is is that there's a certain amount of I don't want to say freedom but there's a certain amount of self-molding of our work that we're allowed to do that we we can creatively come up with ideas and if they fit within the the aims of the university and on an institutional and an academic level there's there's no shortage of people that will support you in those endeavours. I think it's Absolutely. great. I never have a dull day at work anyway, I'll say that. No, no. And every day is different. It's it's very um it's very engaging. It is indeed. So I have two more questions for you before we wind up. So certainly. This is a very broad question, but try and answer it as as as, as finitely as you can, I suppose. What do you love about UCC? <laughs> um, what do I love about UCC? Do you know what? UCC is like home to me. Yeah. Um, when I walk into UCC, I feel that I um, I feel I'm home. It's like mm. it's like a hug. It's like I'm comfortable there. I found my space. I belong. Mm. Oh, I, I completely agree. I never felt connected in anything or a place until I got to UCC. And I com completely share your enthusiasm there. It's like it's like the family we chose. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one more question for you. So outside of your own physical working space, what's your favourite physical part of UCC? Oh, God, JP, that's a tough question. My favourite physical part of UCC. Well, I operate from what I would regard as the beating heart of UCC, which is the library. Yeah. Um, it's central to everybody. But I think my actual physical favourite part of the whole university has to be the Crawford Observatory. Yeah, There's fun. something so magical about being in there, walking in there, you're stepping back in time, you're just mm. you're just enveloped in a different world. And the, the telescopes that are in there are just phenomenal. I could just spend all day in there. I love it. And the power that the observatory has on children when you open up the roof and you see the expression on their faces and the, the audible gasps. Is something that's very rare with young kids today who are used to TVs and PlayStations and Minecraft and all of these things where they can be underwhelmed by things. But to bring them back in time to something like that and open up the roof, it's, it's one phenomenal. of the best feelings I experience in UCC anywhere. 
Absolutely, I thoroughly agree with that. So uh, as for the physical space, but you know, UCC in its physicality is only a collection of buildings. It's actually the people that make us connected. And so it's being in there and having that that connection and the opportunity that UCC provides for everybody, staff and students alike. And I think uh, for me, certainly my learning has been that I need to be brave enough to take the opportunity and to step through the door. What a fantastic, brave person to lead the skills centre for our students who are so lucky to have somebody like you leading the way for that to help them develop their skills even further. Uh, Cathy Bradley, head of the skills centre based in UCC, Bull Library. Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, JP.